Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 479. If you haven't heard, Royal Caribbean is going to be deploying a new menu to the main dining room beginning in January 2023. A lot of our listeners wanted to know more about this change and what to expect as it relates to the main dining room change, why they're making the change, and what sort of things can we expect. I was recently on Royal Caribbean's Wonder of the Seas, and I got a chance to sit down with Lincoln D'Souza, who's the Vice President of Food and Beverage for Royal Caribbean International. And I had a chance to talk with him about the change, why they're making the change, and really go into all the who, what, where, and whens of this dining room menu change and what you should expect when you go on a cruise in 2023. Here we go. I'm once again joined by Lincoln D'Souza, the uh, Vice President of Food and Beverage for Royal Caribbean International. Lincoln, welcome back. Thank you. Glad to be back. Absolutely. It's no secret there's a main dining room menu test underway on Symphony of the Seas. Right. Um, and I want before we even talk about that, sure. let's talk about the why. Why now to do to try a new menu? Yeah, so as you know, our philosophy at Royal Caribbean is really one of tradition, evolution, and revolution. And the last time we touched the main dining room menu was over five years ago. Uh, and so I thought, you know, with, with as much as gone gone in the industry, you come back, we've got a lot of guests back, we've got a lot of new guests, a lot of regular guests, a lot of loyal to old guests. And, we, you know, with us entering a new year and a new part of the business, we really thought it was time to take a look and think about how we do a couple of things, right? There's many strategic reasons for why we're testing the current menu we're testing. One of them, I think you called out early, and you know, it's interesting because I spent a lot of time reading a lot of that feedback. You know, I read every single article put online from everybody mm-hmm. and really read the comments from the guests and not just myself, but our consumer insights team, our social team. We were all reading all of the feedback we got from the guests to really understand what people were thinking. I think there was a lot of reactions early with folks who hadn't really even understood what menu we were presenting and the, the theming of the menu and how we were presenting because all they were seeing with the app-facing menus and I don't think that does really justice for the design and the aesthetic and the feel of the menu, the flow of the menu. And we've been working on this for quite a few months really, even during the pandemic we were thinking about process, how do we look at it. Um, and so um, so what are the reasons why we changed it? Number one, I think you called out the space, right? Uh, and I think you, you were really early in your first article I think I read, you said you hear a lot of complaints yourself about people, why does it take so long? And, you know, land-based restaurants today what is about 15 minutes for dinner experience. It's about yep. 50 minutes. Now, you're on vacation. I don't expect you to want to, you know, you, you don't have a busy day. You're on vacation. You're not going to the office. You're not trying to get home, take the kids to the game, whatever. We're trying to create an experience that's a good vacation experience. And today, our dining experience takes, you know, 120 plus minutes in some cases for larger parties. At least 95 minutes for a party of two. That's a really long dining experience. And as you see here on Wonder of the Seas, we've got so many things to do on board the ship. And we don't want to hold you hostage in your dining experience. Mm. But in a current format, as you can imagine, on an Oasis class ship like this, we're serving 5,000 plus guests dinner in the dining room, a la carte, executing all that food with a, a small army of people trying to execute that food. And frankly, it's very complex. Mm. Um, it's very complex and it's impossible to deliver that a, a more reasonable length of dining experience. And so now, the first thing it will help us do is improve the speed of the pace of the meal. Not not hugely, but let's call it about 15 minutes is what we're seeing. Okay. Which is a significant reduction. Gets us much closer to that 75-minute target for what our guest experiences. is really what, what we have looked at in the research and has said, that's kind of what the guest's ideal dining experience time. I think you did a survey as well online yep. on your blog, and I think that's kind of what people said. I think it was, I want to say, 60 to 90 minutes yeah, is what I think people said. Correct. And so that sweet spot is really 75 minutes. 
Um, so that was the first thing. The second thing is we want to bring some fun into the dining environment. And so this idea of being on vacation, having these themed experiences as you go through. Now, we haven't locked in any of those themes yet, right? Okay. You, you've seen in the seven themes we've put out there, we have additional themes that we've built as well. The reason we've already built some of those themes is because some sailings are longer than seven days. Mm. And as an example, next year, Odyssey will be doing eight, eight days and six day sailings. And so we have an eighth, a ninth, and a tenth day already locked and loaded that nobody's seen yet. And the reason we've done that is because we need to be prepared to do that. So, um, you know, we put these themes and I think the design aesthetic when you see the actual menu, which I think you've seen at this stage, I think it creates a really interesting experience for the guests. Three courses that tie to the Caribbean or something that tries to the royal experience or something, you know, we may change it to a welcome on board experience or whatever those themes are. We've also added some, um, we, we're working with an entertainment to really think about how to make it a little bit more fun in the dining room around these themes. So maybe it's things like uniform, maybe it's things like parades, maybe. What are some of those things that we can do to really make it a more fun experience for the guests in the dining room? Again, our guest base has changed a little bit, yeah. continues to evolve. Um, and so we've got to try and meet, you know, the needs of the loyal or long-term guests, our current guest base, and then the future guests as well. Yeah. And so we're trying to bring some interest in the menu, some new interesting items. Um, you know, we, we have a list of essentially where our guest base believes what, what different dining um, um, cuisines that they like. So like as an example, Mexican, people are like, why is that Mexican? Well, Mexican is actually a really popular uh, cuisine and growing, frankly, in, in the demographic that we serve. And so, yes, there may be a percentage of our guests that don't like it, but overwhelmingly, the feedback for all of the teams, by the way, has been exceptionally positive. Right. The ratings have been actually very strong. We have a consumer insights team, six people right now on board the ship. They're doing, uh, they send surveys out, which I'm sure I've read about, so I know that you guys have all seen the surveys. Yeah. They've done in-person meetings with guests, I think, you know, 30 or 40 guests every single day of this past cruise. Um, they're actually sitting down at incognito at tables and just talking to people at the table. So mm -hmm. guests don't even know they're listening to the actual dining experience. So we're getting real, tangible, serious feedback about the experience. Yeah. So we haven't taken it lightly by any means. I mean, we have invested a significant amount of time, effort, and the research and resources. It's not just Lincoln's menu. <laughs> We've done a lot of work understanding what the guest wants. And yes, with any change, there's going to be some hardware. Right. And I think that definitely there's going to be people, oh, that was my favorite thing. They got rid of it. Well, there's some science that goes into that. We look at preference. Yep. So if something has 1% preference, it really doesn't make a ton of sense to carry it. I mean, our, so my rule on this was if it doesn't have 5% preference, it's not staying on the menu. Mm. If at least 5% of the guests who are in the dining room don't order it, it's just not staying on the menu. Mm. So it needs to have at least a certain amount of demand. Yeah. Um, and we wanted to keep some some of the favorites, right? So the, you're not going to get rid of escargot. We don't, well, not everybody, actually, the preference of escargot is not as high as you think it is. The people who like it really like it. And there's a lot of people who really don't like it. Yeah. And so, you know, by doing this, we improve the preference on escargot over the three days that we carry it. Yeah. Or French onion soup, which is really liked. But, you know, at the same time, we want to give you some ability to have some different experiences. Mm. So, sure, if you miss your French onion soup on day one. Yeah. Well, we have it on day one. But if you miss it on day two, right. you can come back day three or day five and get your French onion soup. And so it's... A, we really feel like you can get what you want as long as you you know you start to navigate that experience and our crew members are going to be trained to help you navigate that yeah. experience um so so that's kind of some of the reasons that we, we're moving in that direction at least in testing it i think today michael shared that we do plan to roll it out next year um and we understand that there's going to be some people who are not really thrilled about all the changes what i would ask for is i would ask for 
the opportunity for people to really try the experience themselves and not prejudge it before they've been on a ship. Right. Really go on and look at the experience and say, hey, what have I missed out on? And I'm open to that feedback. We're going to capture it. We're, you know, we don't stop taking feedback after, um, you know, after we start the new menu. I mean, six months on, if there's four or five modifications we can make, we'll, we'll iterate and make those changes. If there's a theme that's not working and we're seeing a lot of dissatisfaction on a specific day within a cruise period, we'll review that experience. The other really big part, which is, you know, people may not fully understand or appreciate, is the amount of work that goes into producing a daily menu. And, you know, we make everything from scratch on board. And frankly, the workload for the crew, it's not manageable anymore mm. with the amount of special requests and the amount of... So we are putting some some stuff around it that really, yeah. you know, we're putting some structure around the process to really um, be more diligent in how we how we operate has, the dining experience. Has that, it's an interesting point you make because I would say the one thing that jumps to my mind is, you know, this has been the, the, the current menu structure or the flow, however you want to call it, you know, has been in place for... 10, 20 years, sure, whatever sure. the number is, right? Five years, and it works. Actually. 2017. I mean, 2017, yeah. Um, I mean, to, to if someone were to say, well, it worked back then, what's different now? Sure, sure. Is is that a fair yeah, statement or, I, or is that, how I, does that well, work? Well, a couple of things. Lots, lots has changed behind the scenes as people don't fully understand. We were out of operations for over 18 months. And so as we returned to the business, we have more what we call new royals in our business than we've ever had. Yeah. And these are new employees who don't have the depth and length of experience. Some of our more tenured folks have retired. Other folks who were with us for a while had to find other opportunities and jobs. And so we've got a lot of new employees who simply, um, simply are still learning. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, one of the things that I'm focused on in any business is operational excellence. If I can figure out how to make a menu that's great, that delivers consistently, and I think you'll agree with this, you've been in the world a long time, from ship to ship, day to day, the taste of the product, you, you may get a French onion soup that doesn't taste the same on every ship or look the same. And frankly, that's not acceptable to me. I would rather our guests have a very clear understanding and expectation of what they're going to get. And they either love it or hate it. Yep. That's okay. But if you love it, I want it to be the same amount of love for that dish, whether you came today and you okay. came 16 months on uh, back and you know you ate once in the Caribbean and you ate it next time mm-hmm. in Europe. It should taste exactly the same. Yep. Or at least pretty darn good and consistent. And so, you know, that is my focus and goal is to create an expectation of what you're going to get and you're going to know it's great every yeah. single time. And so we really had selected from day one. We looked at feedback from every guest. We had people talking to them. We have captured, it is an unbelievable amount of data that we have captured. And I promise you, I've read every single comment from every online portal. My team go crazy because, I mean, our WhatsApp group is probably filled with, you know, 150 pages over a <laughs> weekly period of just feedback around this. Yeah. And we've had we've had a war room that we've been working on this for months. So really, like we took a whole room and put up our old menu, looked at the historical menus, went to every recipe book we've had for the last fifty years, yeah. and really went back and said, you know, let's do this right. Let's white paper it. Yeah. What do we come up with? And you know, frankly, there was a lot of engagement from our senior most executives. Michael was in the room multiple times, so I think I guess you know this is what I've heard from our guests. And so, by no means was this just a just a flash in the pan idea. Sure. This was, it was a lot of thought and, and commitment. So let's talk about your the reactions. You've done a lot of surveys sure. and, and things like yeah. that. I mean, can you, I don't know how, admittedly, I have no idea how you measured sure, sure. Uh, how that works, but yeah. like, is there any data you can point to that says with this new menu, we're seeing a satisfaction rate, a, yeah. a, a so some, I would some sort say of metric? We, we do measure satisfaction in the dining room for both service and, 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 and food 
and have for years and years. And so essentially what we're seeing today in Symphony of the Seas is a flat rating versus previously. That, year, that, that said, there is a lot of preconceived negativity with people coming in the door uh, and, and saying, hey, we're not going to like this many, even before they've walked into the dining room. So I, I don't know that there's a necessarily a 100% fair assessment just looking at that rating number. But I would say it's been pretty flat. What I would tell you is the consumer insights data we have has been has been very telling, and I think that as we capture that data here, you know, we've done it in an exceptionally scientific and detailed way. Um, we'll be able to pull all of that information together and really get a clear understanding of what guests like, what they don't like. I was just in the kitchen ten minutes ago. We were tasting. We know that there's three or four dishes that we need to do. And we just did a there's one vegan dish specifically on one day that is rated very poorly at, at item level. Hmm. Um, and they are doing exactly that. They're looking at not only what gets ordered, so what's the preference, but what's the actual dish satisfaction. So it doesn't mean because something's ordered a lot that people actually like it. Yeah. Right? So you may order something, so 100 people may order the same dish, but if 90% of them didn't like the dish, you shouldn't use it. So right. that you, you know, so, but in, in fact, it's a, it's a detractor from the business. Mm. I would rather have a dish that 100 people order and 90% of them like it Versus a dish that, you know, 100%, 100% of people order and nobody likes it. Yeah. So, um, we're really looking at the, the the menu engineering of it, which, I, I mean, I don't think people realize the amount of science that's involved in food service yeah. and what it takes to do this behind the scenes. And so, it has been a monumental effort. I'm super proud of the team on Symphony. I'm super proud of my team for the work that they've done around it. I think our guests are really going to like it if we give it a fair shake. Yeah. Is there some changes to get accustomed to? I think absolutely there are. Sure. As with every business, I think evolution is important, and and you know change is never easy. Yeah. Uh, but um, we our goal is to provide an amazing guest experience. We create the best vacations on the planet. That's our commitment, and we continue to be committed to that process. I guess if there's one thing on the menu that has garnered the most amount of attention, sure. it's the change in the lobster policy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to talk about that. Um, so I don't think, again, this is one of those things I don't think people are up to speed. First and foremost, um, about a week ago, and, and this is easy to look up, Whole Foods stopped selling lobster. The other thing that happened, the reason that they stopped selling lobster at Whole Foods is that Maine Fisheries lost their MSC certification. Hmm. MSC, we are committed as part, part of our sustainability strategy at Royal Caribbean Group to purchase only MS, oh, well, 90% MSC and ASC certified food, which means that either farm-raised or wild-caught, and lobster in this case is wild-caught and MSC certified. Uh, and so right now, we can no longer buy Maine lobster. So we are buying the Maine lobster species from Canada, hmm. and that is the only supply we can now buy lobster from. It is, it's going to put a significant... This has just happened in the last three weeks. Now, we are... Most recently, we found out we're uh, the largest buyer of lobster in the world. <laughs> and as part of that commitment, we've had, you know, supply chain is complex, as people know. We've had to shift into this with our supplies and shifting all of our purchasing power into the Canadian lobster that is still MSC certified. Hmm. And so now with that supply chain shift, it has put a lot of pressure on the, the actual protein and the supply because Canadian waters are very big and there's a lot, a lot of lobster. But there's a handful of large buyers, um, you know, ones that I've worked for previously. Um, and everybody wants MSC certified lobster. And so we've had to shift into that really quickly. And, and that's going to, for the three or four largest buyers in the world, yeah, they're all buying MSC certification, uh, and so we are, we are having to shift into that. Is it fair to say, I don't know, this general question, sure. if I go to the supermarket and I pick up lobster, it's fair to say it's not certified like that? I, I don't know that it's fair. It de well, it depends, obviously. It depends I, on yeah. where it comes from. I would say you'd have to ask the question. Okay. Uh, now, 
most of the lobster that's in the supply chain today is, is all MSC certified. Like okay. the stuff we have today is Maine lobster. So the species of lobster is exactly the same in Canada and the U.S. And the reason they lost the MSC certification to put some texture is that um, it's due to the, the right whale population in Maine. And there's been some conversation with a, a, a whole bunch of um, animal rights groups about the risk that lobster fishing in Maine causes for the right whale. Hmm. And so that's why they've lost this. Oh, they've not lost it. Let me, let me make sure I say this correctly. They've been suspended. Sure. And so that may come off. That suspension may come off. Okay. Um, and that may, you know, change the supply chain situation. But, but you know, it is the single most expensive commodity we buy hmm. uh, as it relates to protein. Um, and so that's really the reason that we've had to apply this, this chart. I mean, it's a super expensive protein. There's nowhere, by the way, there's nowhere on land today, including the grocery store, you can go in and buy a lobster tail that we serve, the size that we serve at that price point that we are selling it for on board the ship. And I understand people have been accustomed to getting three, four, seven, 12, 18 tails. Uh, you know, I have my own point of view on that. But the reality is we want people to have a really good experience. But our menus are really designed everywhere, frankly. Our menus are designed to be an appetizer and entree in a main course. We want you to have a great experience. And so if somebody wants to indulge in an additional entree or an additional appetizer, yeah. we want them to. We want them to have that ability to adventure adventure by trying something they've never tried before. Sure. But the intent of our menu has never been, you know, all you can eat lobster. That's right. never really been the intention of how we've designed the experience. We've designed the experience to really enjoy, as you see our dining rooms, they're gorgeous dining rooms that are created to have a family dining experience where everybody can sit around the table, try something new, enjoy their meal, but it's never really been, you know, eat as much lobster as you want. It's not, you know, it's just not the intent. I mean, obviously we have the wind jam experience. We want people to eat and we want them to indulge because you're on vacation. But at the same time, that you know, that, that part of it is about sustainability and it's also about what's right, right from a kind of just a approach for our business. Fair point. So <clears throat> is the new manual locked to go forward? It is not. So the... So let me. Uh, we, are, question. we are going to launch a new menu in January. Okay. The menu that is currently on Symphony will go through some iteration uh, from the teams themselves to the items that guests like. Again, as, as we get this data back, which is, th we are, what's today, Saturday? I've kind of lost yeah. days. But so by Sunday, we'll get all that data back from, well, it'll take them a few days to put it into a very usable, qualified way. And then we'll get that data back really. Um, Probably by the end of December, we'll review that over the holidays. And then as we come back post the New Year's week, we will start a deployment on the new menu um, across the fleet. And it'll probably roll fairly quickly because we, we want it to be consistent across the fleet as quickly as we can. Um, with Symphony, the only, the only ship we tested it on, we'll be able to, we'll be able to go from there. So, so it'll, be, it'll be January. It'll be, there will be a new menu in January. And it won't be every ship on the same day, but it'll be, let's say, February 1st they're across the fleet, or you think it'll be kind of a slower Yeah, I think by, by early February, you'll probably see it across the fleet. Okay, but the menu that we've seen is not necessarily the menu that we That's right, expect. and the team nights you've seen are not necessarily the team nights you're going to see when we launch. Okay. So there may be some modifications based on the feedback, and, you know, there may be a team that people really don't like. Yeah. If that's the case, then we can take a different approach. You know, we've got, like I said, one, a couple of other teams lined up, and then secondly, we've got um, we've got some ideas within the menus about themes. We have got really rich feedback about what guests are missing, and you know where we need to kind of relook at it. And so yeah. we'll, I'm really confident we'll end up with an amazing menu that our guests will truly appreciate and understand kind of why we've created that experience. And I think holistically, when you look at both the service experience we create with the theming, 
of the nights and then the food that's layered in and then the consistency and quality improvements that you're going to see because one i think you're going to see hotter fresher more consistently plated beautiful food um and i think sometimes we just don't deliver that and my frustration with that is i want to deliver more consistent and great quality experience for our guests versus a hit and miss experience so i know it's very limited testing but what surprised you the most about the feedback so far i think stood uh, out yeah, uh, well, I think the Mexican night has been probably the most polarizing. Hmm. What's been interesting, and there was a couple of dishes that quickly guests told us they didn't like. There was a couple of dishes that guests love, like the enchiladas. The ratings have been like through the roof. I mean, people are like, that's the best dish we've had in the menu. The Caribbean night, the pork chop, which I was always been my favorite dish in the, in the dining room, has done, people have tried it for the first time because it's featured, and I think they've really liked it. Um, I, well, you know, I, let me see what else was there. Was, there was a few kind of like nuggets that were su- super surprising. I think one of the things that was probably the most interesting is we, when we th- we said, based on what the shipboard teams had told us, that Indian entrees were really in demand. And they said that's the single highest um, request they get that's not on the menu. Yeah, that's and me. So, <laughs> I know, it's not just you. Yeah. We, we, our preference is over 9% on the Indian entrees on some nights. Wow. As low, the lowest we've had is six percent. Six percent of five thousand guests. A lot of people ordering Indian dishes, as high as nine percent on. Some and they nights. have to know that it exists in order to Correct. request it. Correct. So now, by putting it on the menu, we're getting pe- people are really happy to see that kind of that Asian flair. And I think that that's really been an interesting thing because there's a lot of people are like, "Lincoln, you're you're an idiot. Don't do that. <laughs> Nobody wants Indian food." I'm like, "Well, I mean, that's what we're hearing from the ship." I said, "I don't want to argue with it. They're the ones in front with the guests, and yeah. that's part of the work we did. I mean, we went to the ships and we talked to the." cooks, we talked to the chefs, like, listen, what do our guests order? What do they say? What do they like? We went back and looked at all the comments, all the special requests. The, the special requests we got were, were frankly, just, they're unmanageable for our ships. Hmm. They've got to a level that we just we can't. So, you know, one of the things we, we, we've said on this menu is that we, we will accommodate special requests that are for dietary needs. Yeah. But we're not going to continue to do a bunch of all, the, all of these kind of like range of requests that we just say, hey, I like a burger from Playmakers in the dining room. Like that's, you know, those are the things that we're, again, it's about focus and delivering consistency and quality. Uh, we really want people to have an amazing dining experience with them. We've built beautiful dining rooms. We've got amazing crew both in the front of the house and in the, in the culinary part that want to deliver amazing food. And it's such a critical piece to a great vacation, and we know it is. Yeah. And so we are really taking a disciplined, thoughtful approach, lots of research, a lot of commitment to that. And I think historically, you've not seen a lot of that in the cruise industry. Yeah. I don't think you've seen this really data-driven approach to food and beverage. And so we're really using data, we're really using some science uh, to make sure that we're making the right decisions. That's great. Fantastic. I want to, I want to change the subject completely. Yeah. Talk sure. about entertainment. Entertainment, A yeah. concept where on Wonder of the Seas, and evidently Mason Jar was the first version of entertainment from what I understand? Yeah, I'd say it's the second version because I, I think about entertainment a little differently. As you think about the vacation experience, I think about entertainment being anywhere that you can have entertainment meeting your dining experience. So Playmakers to me was our first entertainment experience where families could come together, you could sit, you could play Jenga at the table, you could shoot some pool, you can watch a game. So you're entertained while you're having this dining experience. You have the boardwalk experience around you. The kids can run to the carousel. So you, you have this entertainment experience. I think what we've done at Mason Show, which is truly unique, is we brought the beverage experience, tied in the entertainment experience with the three-piece band, and then the dining experience, really a full meal dining experience with that full level service. And you have, you, know, you can have multiple experiences in that, in that space, right? You can sit at the bar, just have a cocktail, and talk to a friend and enjoy the experience and connection with the bartender. The band starts playing. Your friends can, you know, people dancing at the front. 
that's a different experience. Imagine the dining room where you hear the music, but you've got enough noise cancelling around you that you can hear it. It sounds it's good for the ambience, but you're still having a really great service sure. and dining experience. Wow, that's beautiful, isn't yeah. it? Fireworks here at Coco Cay to celebrate the beautiful wonder of the seas. So, what can we say the entertainment on Icon of the Seas? How would you characterize? I know you haven't made the formal announcement yet, yeah. but like, what's your what's your thought? Well, how sure. what should we expect? Yeah, I mean, uh, I know you just put out an article about um, about all of the new venues that were released recently. You you shared the stuff that we're doing at Surfside that's been shared. Um, Icon is is definitely the most ambitious food and beverage evolution that I have seen in the five years. Arguably, from my perspective, the most um, a, uh, most evolutionary um, food and beverage experience that we've created, or any cruise line, frankly, has created, or frankly, a resort. I think it might be the most revolutionary experience created in dining anywhere. Sure. So. Um, I really don't know how much is public, so I got to be very careful yeah. <laughs> as I approach this. But I, I would say that Surfside is going to be uh, that whole experience is about entertainment for the family, right? We're, we're creating great family vacations. The kids are going to be able to um, be in, you know, play, play in the water. That kind of experience. You've got um, you got the lemon post, and so you got this mummy and me kind of experience where we've got. And we're going to layer in some really fun, interesting things that we haven't really talked a lot about, but things that are more like activations than simply just getting a drink. And then you've got Pier 7, which is going to be kind of a specialty experience, but built for families as well, with a very different, conceptually different food than we've, um, than we've had in the past. Uh, you know, definitely American food, but a, a part of America that perhaps hasn't been necessarily represented on ships before. Um, so I'm being very cryptic there intentionally. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, you've got, um, we sh- what else did we share about Surfside? You tell me, Matt, then I'll yeah. tell you what I can tell you. <laughs> oh, Surfside Eatery. So Surfside Eatery is like, you know, people are going to think, oh, it's a mini wind jam. It's really not. It's a curated family um, buffet experience. It's going to be different than what you see in the wind jam. It's really, it's not a huge space, but it's a space that's going to be really created so you know, um, as an example, and I, I share an example, I guess, I don't know, worst case scenario, they're going to yell at me. But, you know, you may have two different, let's say you have a, a, pizza, a slice of pizza. The pizza may be, you know, a kid's cheese pizza, but the parent's pizza on the on the same buffet may be an elevated version of, a, I don't know, a really nice um, mushroom and brie pizza. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and so it's that experience where you're able to get both for kids and the adults an experience that's a little bit elevated. What other venues have you shared? And I'll tell you more. Well, there's one I don't think you're allowed to talk about. Supper Club seems to oh, be one that we've seen photos of. We know the name of it is, but I don't think you've announced that You know that the name one. of it? What's the name of it? The Empire Supper Club. Oh, okay. That's yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Our lips are sealed on that one. Okay. I, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what I'll say is, uh, is, it, is it to be to, continued on to, that one. Okay. Yeah. Is it fair to say that it's almost entertainment is almost an evolution of the specialty restaurant concept? Because, I mean, you can only do so many cuisines in the world, right? Sure. Well, you know, I that said, I'll tell you, there's a lot of... There's a lot of cuisines that we don't have that I think our guests would appreciate. So I think you have I think you have a lot of experiences that are expected today and that you see everywhere. I think there's some there's some fringe experiences that are growing in popularity every day. And you'll see that probably on Icon present itself in more uh, more more easy entry points from a from a versus a versus a specialty restaurant maybe 
in some kind of a QSR format, being able to try things that are new and different that you haven't seen before. Um, I think you shared a deserted as well. Yes, the um, milkshake bar. Yeah, talk about that a little bar. bit. Yeah, you know, milkshake bar has been one of those things that has been in the hopper for a little while for, for us. And so we think that's going to be a really fun ex- experience where you're going to be able to get some really unique and special adult and kid milkshakes. Um, you know, some with some maybe some boozy milkshakes, those kind of things as yeah. well. Um, and they're going to be, we like, you know, we expect them to have some wow factors. So I think there'll be some wow factors for them and people are going to be really happy with it. Is that, is that specialty? It, it, it'll be a four pay experience. Four pay experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Food trends. That's, so since the cruise, since cruising restarted, sure. We'll end we'll on this one. It's a good one. Um, what have you seen trend wise um, in terms of dining on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship? Well, definitely people are looking for more experiences. I think people have are tired. Of, were tired, so tired of sitting at home. They came on ships. And we've definitely seen more demand in specialty. Uh, we've definitely seen more demand in beverage experience. Uh, people are coming on board and really enjoying their time and making sure they make the best of it. So we are seeing people buying more package, you know, three dining packages and ultimate dining packages, really get the most of the experience on board the ship. Um, so you know, from an evolution standpoint, I think people are, are willing to spend money to have a more specialty experience on board the ship. I think, you know, like, for example, on Wonder, you've really seen kind of an evolution of a windjammer. And so you've seen a little bit more you know, ethnic experiences like the shawarma station, some of those kind of things that maybe the everyday American doesn't see every day, but we want to create those these little surprise and delights, if you will, for opportunities to try something new and different that you perhaps haven't tried. So I think it will continue to tease out uh, new experiences for guests without necessarily making it a barrier to entry by creating either complementary or low-cost ways for people to try new things that they haven't seen or experienced before. Fantastic, Lincoln. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's really always good, it. Matt. My pleasure.